MHI Industry Leadership Podcast brings together the solutions, providers, and thought leaders of the materials handling industry to talk about trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices to move the industry forward. Christian Dow is the Executive Vice President of Membership and Industry Leadership at MHI. In each episode, Christian will be talking to the leaders and members of MHI's industry groups. Let's join him now. Welcome. Today's topic is from the SLAM Industry Group, which is the MHI industry group that's focusing on the last 100 feet of fulfillment. SLAM stands for Scan, Label, Apply, and Manifest. And we're looking at the data gleaned from implementing a SLAM system, including metrics and standards. Today, I have with me Tom Napier, account manager and consultant with almost 18 years with PSI Engineering, and Dan Hanrahan, CEO and founder of the Numina Group. Welcome, gentlemen. Tom, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, I've uh, always been in the packaging in- industry for some uh, d- degrees of my life uh, until this funny thing called the barcode came about back in the 1990s being used in warehouses. So I thought that was kind of neat. So I switched over to that. And uh, oddly enough, I uh, had the opportunity almost 18 years ago with uh, PSI to get back into warehouse automation where it's combining uh, the software and the uh, uh, the hardware to, that uh, that uh, makes packaging okay in uh, distribution centers and uh, warehousing. Excellent. Well, welcome, Dan. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and and Numina? Well, I uh, founded the company in uh, mid sixties. Excuse me, mid. 1986, excuse me, that really really aged me a little bit. So 1986, we started as a uh, custom software house. I'd always been in the process automation industry, selling process automation, designing and being a a lead uh, design engineer for a major process control company, started Numina Group and we essentially uh, fell into the warehousing industry. We we're mostly doing process automation, writing custom salt code for companies like Intel, GE, and various different manufacturing, machine manufacturers, and uh, started working in the material handling, doing conveyor controls and what was now to become warehouse control systems. We called it uh, plant floor glue software that would connect up warehousing control systems to ERP and uh, the AS400s and mainframes and digital VAX computers, and then integrated that through to really evolving into a uh, warehouse automation firm and building out a full suite of uh, software along with uh, building a full team to deliver, design, and implement uh, advanced warehouse automation systems. And that's really been our focus for the last uh, 25 years. Well, thank you and welcome welcome to you both. Um, and and Tom, PSI is also really more than just a, you know, they're, they're, they're an OEM of equipment, but they're also a full integrator, right? That's correct. We uh, concentrate on the uh, pack out or the pack station area uh, in the pick, pack and ship uh, three methodologies within the distribution center. Yeah, so there's a lot of expertise between the two um, organizations here on the on this podcast today, and really the 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 focus of this conversation is around that last 100 feet, and the the first 
uh, really year of content and and collaboration that the slam industry has focused on is really kind of getting out of the uh, the realm of of thinking about a, a a print and apply rolling up to a conveyor and calling it a slam line. There's a lot more to it, you know. With the and there's a lot more visibility and data and, and software. And Dan, you started to go into some of the software components that that really make uh, slam systems work. Do you want to give a little description of really what what are some of the things that happened in that last 100 feet and the kinds of software that exists there? Yeah, absolutely. So when, when you think of SLAM, we think of ourselves as a SLAM plus type supplier. That's a complete pick, pack and ship automation system. So there's some coupling to the picking area, but staying focused again on today's topic, we're going to talk about the pack and ship. The first component we typically look at is uh, scanning, weighing, and vision audit. So that's a component that adds to kind of closing the loop and picking, doing validation of what should that order weigh, and can I get a digital image of the outside of the case or the digital contents within that case? Again, a quality control check. If it fails that, we would have built-in logic that sends it to one of our workstations to audit that carton zone. We want to close the loop and prevent errors from leaving the distribution center. Once that carton's been checked, it then advances down the conveyor to typically inline packing stations. They would have workstations, possibly an operator, possibly a completely um, automated, say, carton sealing, taping, closing station. But a typical station will have an operator, an inline taper, could have a packing slip printer with the operator inserting, or we have additional technologies that, well, if it's an open carton, again, be able to print, fold, and insert the documentation. Card inserters, if there's coupons or other information that goes into the carton, automating that process of getting the documentation in and leaning up the process so the operator has the product flowing to them and closing them out, adding whatever voids needed, and one or two or three stations of that magnitude would then be flowing on conveyor, merging together, and go into that final scanway dimensioner to capture the information to, as you say in the slam, automate that manifesting and labeling process. It then flows into print and apply, typically multiple applicators, uh, we recommend redundant applicators. So we've got an AB applicator if it's only putting top apply, say, shipping labels onto a carton. Uh, that process is going to, you know, from the time we scan weight dimension, capture the information on that sealed carton or full case, we send that information to get the manifesting data from the, get the shipping label back, excuse me, from the manifesting system, assign that to an applicator print and apply, and then have scan validation occurring that scans, again, that order identifying barcode on the outside of the case or carton, and it validates that shipping label. Passes all of that, then there's typically a sorter of some sort, from a four-lane to maybe a 10-lane sorter that's directly taking those cartons to the shipping um, lane, to the carrier truckload lane, or to maybe a possibly an LTL pallet build location. So it's about that complete order flow. And all of those components together, you look at are adding productivity. And we look at that productivity and you take it across a manual line and you start with a simple distribution center, say shipping maybe 700 cartons a day. If I 
if you use a, a minute, a carton to do all of the tasks we just talked about from closing cartons, adding void, printing documents, inserting those documents, weighing it manually, uh, folding down the flap, adding the void, folding flaps, hand taping this. Typically you measure that, you're gonna get a minute or so of, of manual labor. So when we start looking at a simple system that maybe does 700, you know, starting automated pack and ship line that does 700, you start looking at a factor of three people could run that line and get 700 cartons. One loading, one at the, at the pack station, one at the exception station, one possibly at that outbound end. Uh, so you got three to four people replacing what I just, if you, if you ran the KPIs on, would be 10 people in a manual operation. So there's really significant labor savings that can be um, uh, uh, gained by investing in a uh, pack and ship automation line. And more importantly, repeatability, accuracy, and that surge control capacity. Because in a warehouse, nothing's linear. You know, you look at order follow, there's two hours a day in a distribution center. And I'm just, you know, picking a typical time where you're going to get this order surge. And it's going to surge beyond that capacity of five or six operators. And what that means is you have a chance of missing orders or making mistakes. Anytime you have that many touches, there's a chance for an error in a uh, package ship process. So putting that automation in not only makes you much more efficient labor, allows you to handle the surges in orders. And then as we'll get into all of those components that we talked to, controlled by software, measured, captured data, time-stamped information, it's really valuable that tells you what's happening what amount of labor is being used throughout your operation. All of that is at your hands in regards to data availability from the latest generation of control systems that uh, are capturing that information. Yeah, Tom, that was kind of a, Dan, thank you. That was a great explanation. It's a, a great overview of a, of a typical slam and, and really atypical. And, and a lot of, there's a lot of additional things you can add into uh, to a slam system. Tom, do you have additional insight into? Yes, uh, there's a few things I'd like to add there. And that is, uh, I'd like to uh, bring everybody's attention if they want to do some research on the perfect order, because not only do you need to pick the right product and pack the right product, but it has to be damage-free and on time. And uh, um, complete means that it needs all the components, whether it be marketing materials, uh, business materials. I can argue that the packing slip is more important than the product because that's the contract between the consignee and the consignor. The other thing too today is, and at which we should think about, you know, excuse me, placing into the perfect order, and that is the sustainability issue. Um, and that's that's twofold. One is, do we use plastics or do we use paper or cardboard? And the next is, do we uh, uh, can we right size it? If I'm a small operation. Uh, I need the data to be able to know which cartons that I'm going to need to purchase if I'm a larger uh, shipper than uh, maybe a, a right-sizing system will do me proper, okay? And there are a variety of those from simple carton height reducing systems all the way to fully fold wrap uh, your uh, uh, carton, your corrugated right around the uh, the items within your uh, uh, orders. Um, we need to take a look at uh, that as well in the 
downstream, which is the transportation, because if I can reduce my cube by 20%, then I have 20% less um, uh, uh, multimodal shipping that, uh, that I need. Okay, so um, uh, that's where the couriers are starting now to, uh, uh, or have started uh, using uh, the um, uh, surcharges for uh, transportation. Okay, so you want that carton as small as possible. Also, if you go on to LinkedIn and uh, uh, search under the hashtag right sizing, you're going to see a myriad of somebody sh uh, with a, uh, a thumb drive and it's in a great big, huge box. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is where companies like Dan and I, our uh, PSI, are able to help out as well because that box may not be uh, um, as small as it can be because they don't have the right technology to transport it within the distribution center. Yeah, I'm going to just a little bit on that is, uh, you know, you talked about a lot about sustainability and MHI is focusing a lot into over the next few years on uh, ESG sustainability. So in environmental, social and governance and that E, the environmental portion is a, is a big part in the slam industry group has done previous podcasts and uh, articles and blogs about, uh, you know, kind of touching that sustainability uh, area, which is obviously very important to many of our, uh, what your customers and especially those that are publicly traded where, where ESG investing is becoming very important. Um, uh, Dan, did you have anything else to, to add? No, a lot of great points. And now one of those is that looking a little bit further upstream, some of that software that, you know, we're involved in where you say picking, packing, shipping is that upfront order release with cartonization. So again, being able to, as Tom was saying, select the right size shipping method, shipping cart and packing to the right size cart by using the, the order line items, weights to cube and dimensional variables. So you select the right size carton is a important step. And then using the, the data in the slam line to close the loop on it, making sure that it's shipping the right size and as, as, as Tom was just pointing out, you know, we have customers that we're able to move them from shipping, say, in a small carton into a padded bag or poly bag. And in that packing process, you know, if you're shipping, say, a next day that's using or a second day, excuse me, like a, a FedEx process or USP, uh, UPS or that's using the final mile delivery being USPS, there could be a three to four dollar savings per shipment just moving to from a carton to a poly bag. So we've had a customer that with our cartonization logic, we took them from uh, shipping about 500 to 2,500 orders a day, 2,000 more at three dollars a shipment, a huge significant saving just by selecting that right freight methodology to uh, use for reducing the cost. So again, there's not all customers have the advantage of those size item orders, but if you can take advantage of, like Tom was saying, getting to that minimalized carton uh, or package size, there's some big savings that could be reaped through the investment slam technologies. So let's dive into the topic a little bit more. You know, and talk about the different kinds of, of data and how we collect that data in a SLAM system. Tom, do you want to give us some insight into how do we collect that data? Yeah, I see it as two ways. First of all, it's the machine performance. 
okay, for each one of the devices that's in the SLAM line. And then there's the overall, what did we actually do? How much did we save? The time that uh, was eliminated, the amount of touches, like Dan was saying, how much has that been reduced? Add a human being, you add a chance of error. So we want to, um, um, you know, uh, minimize that as well as add a human being and all more touches, it delays things. So remember, we talked about the perfect order and being on time. Okay, so this is going to really allow the uh, uh, orders to be completed before the truck arrives. So now it can be filled, right? And uh, so the data, um, uptime for the machinery, very, very important. What caused delays, okay, can be monitored here very, very nicely. So you can monitor upstream. Does it match our uh, local location, okay, for the uh, uh, a device that's operational and anything downstream? Um, am I getting bottlenecks downstream? Does that need to be looked at? Uh, do I have the right sortation gear? Am I uh, causing backlogs? Are the machines upstream from uh, different components? Are they, are they working properly? One would be with a print and apply label applicator, if you have one, do I use uh, labels and ribbon or do I use um, uh, direct thermal, right? Because then I don't need to change the ribbon. Actually, there's a sustainability component there because I'm using less plastic too, right? So these are these are certain things that we can uh, take a look at and we can do a continuous improvement. Excellent. Dan, do you have uh, additional insights or, or of how we can how we collect data in a SLAM system? Uh, yeah, I, I've seen, uh, especially from operational teams, what is a manager in a distribution center looking for? He wants to see when did I when did that carton arrive? What was the first time I seen that carton? So if that was at the like I talked about earlier, the Scanway Vision audit timestamp, capture that information, it passed the weight audit, it then goes on through the other stations. So anytime there's a a scan point, we like to update that into what we call our carton history. So you have a step by step sequence as that uh, carton travels through the pack and ship line. And as it goes through, print apply the validation process, checking and giving it a pass at each one of those. Or if there's an exception, like uh, I was unable to validate the shipping label, maybe there's a jam, there's some other exception condition, make sure that you show the history that that cart was rejected to a as a manual inspection station. And most importantly, what, what I'm always being asked from, from our customers is a real simple way to search that order. It's always two days later, customer service is saying, hey, a customer called, I didn't get that. They can quickly either search it by order ID or tracking number, and all that pertinent information in the carton history report should be viewable or emailable between organizations. So we make that all web, web viewable, so any browser-based uh, station from customer service through your plant floor operations team can look up that order by its order identifier or by its carrier tracking number, LTL order ID, and see that step-by-step -step data that's showing them, here's what happened to that cart, and here's its history, here it is going out the door, when was the last time we've seen it, and if it's at the divert to the UPS fluid loading door, that information is all part of that history report. So I, I think that's that's the type of information we're seeing operations people ask for that, you know, empowers them with the information that helps them 
run their distribution center more efficiently. Let's talk about dimensional weight. It's come up uh, or dim weight. And and just the we we Tom, you talked about the size component of of dim weight, but I uh, through our committee meetings and and my experience, just there's a little bit more to dim weight, right? You you can ship a dumbbell, or, or you could ship something very large, and and there's different ways that the uh, carriers will look at those. Can you guys can, can Tom? Can you take a stab? Yeah, at, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. If you don't mind, I'll start, Dan. It's it's uh, you know the old saying, <clears throat> shipping a pound of feathers or shipping a pound of lead, right? You don't want the same cube in shipping a pound of lead as you do shipping a pound of feathers. However, you don't want that package to break either. So it has to be packaged properly. So there's a lot of universities, a lot of uh, 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 packaging uh, courses that uh, and degrees, okay, that are given uh, in the packaging. You know, you want to be able to take a uh, an iPhone in its original pack and uh, throw it off the Empire State Building and be able to open it when it lands and have it work properly. Okay, these are the, you know, these are, and by the way, the, the you know, these tests have been done. Um, because it's very, very important that it arrives damage-free. Once again, part of the perfect order index. And uh, uh, so, you know, these are these are the things that we have to have to look at. There's, like I said before, there's two ways you can either use a software to analyze your data for your orders, so you can order the right packaging material, so you don't have to either spend a lot of time right-sizing it later. Or to, uh, and this is more for, um, uh, uh, you know, large orders, large item orders instead of small multis and singles. Okay, Um, because uh, uh, if I'm I'm shipping different products and they're small, then it's going to be uh, more more difficult uh, to order the right size boxes. So that's why you know the perfect one is. And it's always it's always nice to see people uh, gift wrap, uh, you know, things at Christmas time, uh, uh, having your packaging under the Christmas tree. Right. If it's really, really wrapped nicely, then it's great. Same thing when somebody arrives something in the box opening experience. They don't want a great big, huge void, a lot of void fill. And then where's my product inside of it? Right. So these are all the things that you need to uh, take a look at. Um, You know, the dimensional weight that's the category of two uh, components, the dimension, the cube, and the weight. So I want to make sure that when my customer opens up that box, it's got everything in it, but it's nice and secure, stable. It's going to be damage-free. Gotcha. Dan, do you have a, the additional insight there? Yeah, I, I guess I, I, I very valuable information Tom's talking about, but I, I look at the dimensional weight as the you know, inline sensor that really is closing the loop on your pack and ship process. So there's upfront, especially e-commerce sites, they're doing uh, their orders and they're shipping their orders based upon what the expected dimensional weight of that order is going to be. If you say, hey, I'm going to get second day free, you better make sure you're shipping at the lower cost carrier that goes from wherever your distribution center is to the customer and the dimensions and the weight are going to be critical to ensure that that product meets the expected uh, manifesting cost that you might have calculated up front. So the sensor needs to be capturing that information. And that gives you that opportunity in the uh, automating of the manifesting process to really select the best carrier. 
So carrier selection, sometimes where you can uh, rate shop between two different carriers and get a savings. And if you're doing that at thousands of times a day, to really add up to some real revenue savings and revenue production for that company by reducing their expected costs. So the Scanway dimensioning is what I call your final ability to uh, really close the loop on making sure, did I pack that correctly? And then more importantly, if you're shipping a lot of full cases, it gives you a quality check to make sure, did somebody inadvertently pick the wrong case? You know, it's got a scanway dimension. It's got a characteristic to that full case. And the uh, dimensioning system can be used to not only be used for the manifesting purpose, but additionally could be a, you know, last quality check before that full case goes out the door. Yeah. We, we often see the rules change from the carriers, right? And, and the way that I, the, the way that maybe the, somebody who's learning about this might, we can kind of explain it is that a big box may be more expensive than a small box, but a small box with a heavier weight in it can be more expensive than a big box that's very light, right? And whatever the characteristic that that one out of one chart or the other is is the more expensive is the one the carrier is going to go with, whether it's weight or size, right? Yeah, definitely. And so and so really that software that you guys provide to help make decisions of hey, which carrier we're going to go with based on their rules that they put in and changed year over year is very important, right? Because it's it's that software that's going to save them that $3 or, you know, whatever it is that uh, per per shipment that uh, for that for that order. Right. Christian, it's important that you understand or uh, anybody that's listening to this podcast understand is that if I'm if I'm working in um, uh, a weight, I'm working in, in the United States is in pounds. And as soon as I get to uh, if I go over from two pounds to 2.1 pounds, I get charged for three pounds. You see, so what you've got to do uh, as well is take a look at uh, what the rates, uh, you know, what the rate charges are for each carrier. Um, it, you know, you may find that uh, I can get an LTL to, le- to deliver something just as fast with a local courier at the end destination than I can with one of the majors, right? So you, you really have to take a look at uh, your uh, uh, transportation management system, TMS, uh, when that comes into effect. And of course, once again, that's more data coming down the pipeline that we have to feed it. Um, the, you know, to get the, uh, the, so don't forget as well, is that packaging weighs something right so if i've got a pound of feathers and a pound of lead and you know it's going and i'm i'm going to be charged with the feathers for uh, a, a larger a dim weight unless i can compress it down to the size of the pound of lead you see so um that's that's you know the, the, that's the point that i'm trying to make here and so if 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 my packaging is less then i'm going to have less weight and i may be able to bring that 2.1 pounds down to two pounds and that way, I'm going to be charged the least amount uh, for that uh, for that delivery. Yeah. And the only thing that I would add to is today's technologies, uh, Christian. When you look at where dimensional weight, when we went from lasers now to cameras and digital scales that you know are reading to weights that are plus or minus, you know, an inline industrial scale can get you four grams resolution. That would have been, you know, 
4X the cost just 10 years ago. The optical measurement sensors, the accuracies, the ability to find bulges and so forth within the cases. Um, it's, it's a really uh, high performance, pretty low maintenance technology being all digital that when you think about using people to do that, um, and it's and I think we could all agree it's a necessity today in shipping that you know your dimensional weights. And to invest in that, um, trying to do it manually versus what you can do with an inline automated system, uh, I think the return on investment is just there. You're, you're going to be able to ship more orders per hour uh, in a much more optimized shipping package size with a heck of a lot less labor. So there's there's three things that really, you know, say uh, dimensional weight measurement in a modern warehouse today is a no-brainer. You know, it's it's one of those things that it's become a necessity to be in um, the business if you're shipping parcels to your customers for that accuracy, for that customer service, for all the reasons, you know, you've just been both touching on. Yeah. Well, there may be an audit trail issue there too, Dan where if you're keeping your own data, you don't have to rely on somebody else's data because somebody else's data is obsolete the moment that you get it, right? So um, if I don't, I can send my data to the courier of my dim weight, they will often take that instead of uh, having to use their own dimensional uh, uh, factor uh, systems, right? Because they may be old. We don't know. We don't know what the status of their uh, um, uh, weight scale is. We don't know the uh, status of their uh, dimensioners, when they were last serviced and so on. You know, the distribution center, they may want to make sure that everything's up and running. So they have their PM when they're shipping their, um, you know, they're, they're at their peak seasons or just before their peak seasons. And, and uh, you know, it's very, very important to keep that system running very, very well fine tuned, you know, like the old Swiss watch uh, analogy. And uh, when the, uh, you know, sometimes the couriers, they've got something that's 10, 15 years old. And, uh, you know, it may not be as accurate, just as Dan said, because of that, uh, uh, you know, the oldness of the, the age of that equipment. Yeah, and, and that's a, a good point, because most of the major carriers round out by a pound. So if you're relying on them, they're going to maybe possibly be a little heavier. If you're shipping 20,000 cartons a day, like some of our customers to ship 20, 30,000 carts a day. If uh, 500 of them, you're able to validate that uh, it was nine pounds, 15 ounces, it's still nine pounds. Now, if it rounds up to 16 pounds, you're paying more for that price. So having a accurate high resolution measurement system in-house has an opportunity to save you money on several hundred shipments or more a day adds up to big money over a year period of time, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Excellent. Is there any other uh, value that can be driven from the DIM system? You may find one thing that might help, and that is uh, the corrugated, there's what's called the flute, okay? And that's the corrugate that goes back and forth between the two walls. And you may find that uh, you don't need to have as heavy a, uh, a box, okay, that corrugated over time because you can throw in some experiments there. So you can go down to a smaller flute, which may be a little less weight, and that can uh, help you out without having the damage. Don't forget, there's, 
if if something's damaged at the other end, it's no good to anybody, right? And it's going to be a very, very sad example for the uh, uh, the end user who wants that box opening experience. And, and yeah, I would add also, Christian, and we have uh, uh, several of our customers tends to again be the, a little bit the higher volume shippers. Uh, I call it the open flap detector. If you're sending your cartons through auto tapers and so forth, there's going to be an occasional time when the tapes run out or a cart comes out and it didn't get taped correctly. And through the transportation on the conveyor, a flap might have popped open. With the dimensioner, you can capture that information, send that over to an exception, have somebody take care of that. Because the last thing you want to do is have a, you know, mixed case of, of multiple items going out to a carrier with the flaps open into that trailer. So again, quality control is another element. And if it captures three or four a day, you know, that could be hundreds of dollars of an error. Every error is $250 now. It's probably the minimum when you think about customer service, returns goods. It could be much higher than that if you have real high value items. So making sure that carton is really sealed and the flaps aren't open, uh, one less you know chance that that happens uh, to, to to a shipment uh, leaving your distribution center. Is that also the last time you audit the the shipment to make sure that the right items are in there? Looking at the the weight of the shipment, or do you do that beforehand? Well, well the slam area is the last visual check before it goes out the door. Right. So, um, you know, somebody may notice that, um, you know, there could be a, a, a you know, a HMI that uh, pops up. This should be a blue dress and the person ordered a red dress. Um, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, certain things like that can be caught. Right. Um, you know, and that's just one example of uh, color, but it could be a, you know, that's this is the wrong product. Something happened somewhere. We got a hiccup. Right. And there's always the chance of the wrong order came down the wrong into the wrong spur that got you know pushed over to the wrong packing station. And now it's, it's something that it sh- shouldn't uh, shouldn't be looking at. And uh, this is where, you know, if you're d- doing step by step tracking, quite often you can see this. And by the way, there's malice that happens within distribution centers, too. Somebody may say, well, I'm just going to push this down here and see what happens. Yeah, I, I, I like uh, what Tom is saying is that data gathering function where you're doing that scan wave, ballot, validation, validating the right labels with camera-based scanners, again, looking at the order identifier, capturing it. And taking a digital image today is a, a pretty low-cost way to save away in that carton history a picture of that case leaving the operation. So if you can capture the the inbound when a carton's open, its weight and a digital image of what's inside, and then that final shipment, if you need an image again for customer service purpose that it left your distribution center in the right shape, right package, damage-free, all the things Tom had touched on, um, you have that information at least within the distribution center. You know, what happens when it gets into the truck, it goes through the multiple stops before it gets to the customer's door. There's a chance that you at least now have the the, the image and the ability to, in, in your insurance system, look at, hey, that damage didn't happen in our distribution center. It happened in the delivery process. So 
capturing as much information for quality control uh, is an important aspect. And, and automating that data capture really reduces a lot of time in customer service. People trying to rebuild the history of, well, what should it have been? You don't have to do that. A, a digital picture is worth a thousand words. And it's an important part of what I call the final quality control check in that pack and ship process. So, Tom, earlier you talked about, you know, the process improvements that can be uh, visualized or, or you can capture the data and, and analyze it to make process improvements to see bottlenecks and things like that. The, you know, a lot of our, we're just coming off of the the high season, right? The peak season of of the Christmas rush and Black Friday and, and that, you know, the, the months behind us. And just what do you think that, like out of a SLAM system, what should the uh, owners of SLAM systems be looking at to make future improvements to their system before the next peak season comes for them? Oh, that's a good one because, uh, like I said earlier, the uh, device capture. So you want to make sure that your devices, each one of your devices has logs so you can see, uh, and they should be smart enough to monitor what's going on upstream because they have to be fed information and what's going on downstream as well. And then you keep, you move this along the way for block to block to block. Then you need a scorecard for everything. Right. I remember a customer telling me one time that, hey, Tom, we put your system in and uh, now we've got a we've got a big issue downstream because the carton taper can't keep up. <laughs> so, well, isn't that a great thing, you know, that you're seeing uh, the the um, uh, the backlog or the, the log jam, um, you know, move to a different destination. And it's eventually I said, you know, that these these uh, log jams are going to move right out the door and it's going to be the courier you're going to be complaining about. So, you know, these are these are the nice things about, uh, you know, capturing data. And, uh, you know, we, we know a lot of the uh, uh, Sigma, Black Belt, Red Belt, Green Belt uh, 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 people within the distribution center, right? And they, they go through these analysis of where are our issues that we have within the distribution center. Well, our system should be smart enough to be able to figure that out through scorecards, by uh, uh, digital monitoring, uh, al- um, you know, alerting the uh, operators where we're at at any point of the day. Okay, and how well we're producing things, right? And then, um, you know, who to call, right? Uh, is it the maintenance that you call? Is it the operator that you called, or is it the uh, uh, the supplier that you call for, uh, you know, your uh, uh, efficiencies and inefficiencies? By the way, it's great when you call and tell us, hey, you're you you guys were doing great. You're running at ninety nine or ninety nine point five percent, right? And these are the, those are the numbers that I'm sure that every every supplier wants to hear. But you also want want to make sure that it's uh, you know when we don't hear something, we don't know what we don't know. So we need to hear from you. So I would add to this uh, what we try to do with some of the in the system designs, what we include in the information management system that's sitting over top of the package ship line is. What are the standards? We designed two standards. We measured to the standards. Now you know what the peak performance of that line is. So, you know, when you're selecting the solution, what is it that's needed? What are the components? And what's the scalability of that system? Uh, It's important, I think, to customers that they can work with vendors that can put together a modular solution that meets the daily rates 
reduces labor, but more importantly, if they have a peak season, what I call a cyber season, if you are, again, a large component of your business or growing part is e-commerce, e-commerce doesn't happen two days. It happens from the, the week before Thanksgiving up and through the end of the year, right through the holidays. So that period, what are my peak order rates that I'm really designing for? And knowing the system can you know, perform and uh, let's say in a, a 10 hour day, uh, we've had customers where they used to run two shifts. We were able to, by putting in the, you know, the performance of the um, uh, pack automation line, the slam plus, as I was saying, an ability to reduce an entire operation to a single 10 hour shift, huge savings in labor with that ability to scale for that peak season. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big point too, Dan. Uh, and I agree with you 100% because it's always a little bit easier to ask people to work a little bit of overtime if your uh, uh, operations cannot handle the uh, the peak. But if you go into a second and third shift, the third shift they call it the graveyard shift. Um, you know that is um, quite often money losing operations. Because yeah. you, you can't get the best people. Whereas, um, you know, if I can keep it to eight hours to 10 hours, uh, it's a little bit of extra pocket money for people, uh, you know, and the, uh, uh, they can buy some more prezzies for their uh, family or friends. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice. Whereas if you've got a second shift and some of these shifts, they're uh, 10 to 12 hours, right? Because they don't want that third shift, which <laughs> they, they just can't find the people. You know, this is the the other big thing that we haven't touched on is, you know, I'm not getting younger and I don't want to work as many hours, but uh, also the uh, uh, trying to find people that uh, uh, in, in our competitive workforce, it's, it's just very, very difficult to find them. So the more you automate, the fewer people that you will have and the the better the uh, the outcome will be. Uh, once again, and fewer touches, but also uh, fewer um, operations people. Absolutely. I agree. Labor, so, that's, that, that's probably the number one qu uh, question that, Tom, you probably see the same thing. And Christian, that we see when we go out and visit distribution centers, it's they can't get the quality people. You know, they, they, they can't get the consistent individuals. They hire someone, they think, hey, this is a great candidate. They might be starting as a temp worker. Uh, they go through training, just hiring, doing the training, They've just spent a couple thousand dollars bringing that person on board. And the next day, they doesn't show up. What happened to them? Oh, you got to raise for 50 cents more working down the block. So the, the ability to um, retain workers is a really um, difficult thing facing the uh, logistics industry. So anything that automation could do to reduce the reliance on people today is becoming much more important to managers of uh, distribution operations. Dan, you had a, a, a thought of, or some, some comments about carton history reporting. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And what, what does that mean for a SLAM system and data relating, uh, relating to that? Well, the, the, the carton history is exactly that. As any time we have a, a carton move through the automated conveyor line in pack and ship, and really, it can extend all the way up through from the time the order was released, it was picked, 
Uh, move from picking into this carton, here were the people that were picking. You then have the ability to gather all of the information that really is what is my cost to fulfill an order along with that order's quality insurance. So that's really the carton history report. It wants to combine what we we're just talking about, how much labor was used in each of the different steps. So when we have our operators in picking, for instance, they log in, they may be using our voice pick or pick the light. They always log into whatever station process they're doing. We're measuring their performance against standards. And we're doing the same thing right through the pack and ship process. What is the KPIs, the standards of that system? What should it be performing wherever there's a manual step? And what's the gating functionalities? You know, as Tom talked about, what's the bottleneck maybe in that operation? Well, it should be what's the what's its throughput and what should I expect? And during peak hours, is it meeting that? I had that history of this carton by its license plate barcode or order identifier. As it's being scanned, it's being timestamped. Information's gathered in regards to quality, validation, and it passed whatever, you know, barcode validation that might be happening. It passed the weight audit that was happening that, that, that should happen to that carton. And then when it goes out the door, I have a timestamp of, yes, it got to that carrier, it got to that dock door that I have a history that says it went right into the trailer. And I have the tracking number that's been applied to that carton. So I can look at all my information and I can provide that at the you know, click of a, a web screen. I could look that carton up in 30 seconds. I could be on the phone talking to a customer and say, here's your tracking number. By the way, let me send you a digital image of that carton. Uh, so you've got a picture of it going right out the door. So you have that ability or you have that ability to show them and pass the weight audit it had these three items. Here's a digital image of the three items that you have on your order. Are you sure possibly somebody else might have opened up that carton? So you can prevent even uh, what I'd call the, the customer who might uh, try to get something for free. Little not nefariousness. Say that, not say yeah. that happens, but if uh, you're running a distribution center, you've got, if you're armed with that information, you have ability in your carton history to really have all of that variable information, a digital image that really helps close the loop on that process. So that, and that's, I'm uh, oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah that's, uh, that can happen a lot, especially in high value items. Uh, the electronics industry is, uh, uh, has a little bit of issue with that because, you know, they had to use the bigger box. They had to use some void fill. They've got the different components. Somebody's got some earbuds, right? It's a small little package. Right. Sometimes the electronics companies put it in a bigger package because they they understand this uh, issue. But if it's in a small package like this, you know, um, you know, one inch cube, you're uh, you're going to end up with somebody uh, calling up and saying, I didn't receive them because they didn't see it within the void fill. I'm not going to say they're trying to cheat the, uh, the supplier out of uh, uh, an extra set of earbuds. But, you know, these things might happen. And so when you do capture the image of the, uh, uh, the products that are supposed to be in the box, and you can even go further upstage that I have picked this product, it is now there. I have picked this other product, it is now in here. See, we can see the two products, three products, four products. And uh, then it gets to the, uh, the slam area in the picking area. 
right? So these are all functions that, uh, you know, can be provided from the SLAM side versus from the uh, upstream pushing it downstream side. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, go ahead, Dan. I, I was just saying, you know, ultimately, I think we're, we're all in agreement when you start thinking of SLAM as it's a system that, you know, basically allows you to ship more, more, more orders faster, more accurately, and ultimately, you know, provides better customer service. And that's what it's about. How do you retain your customers in the competitive order fulfillment space? You've got to be competitive with the big guys, right? So you have to be as accurate, same type of delivery, and making sure your orders get to your customer and that it's the right items getting there at the right time. I think Tom touched on that perfect order process. Doing it all the right time, SLAM is basically the... Uh, the online sensor to really, or the dimension of scan weighing system, I should say, is that online sensor that gives you that information to improve your business and improve your customer satisfaction. I think it's a great way to to kind of wrap this up. I uh, I think that's a, a great statement. Tom, do you have anything to add to that? No, that's uh, that's perfect and uh, described it very very well. Um, I'm in full agreement with everything that he says. You uh, you need to. Uh, look at the sustainability issue as well, okay, as well as all the other components of the Perfect Order Index. Well, I thank you, gentlemen, for joining me today. If uh, if anybody wants to learn more about the SLAM industry group, uh, please visit mhi.org backslash SLAM or visit the uh, MHI Warehouse Automation blog site, uh, and you can follow it on LinkedIn as well. So thank you, gentlemen, and uh, appreciate you being on and look forward to having you on in the future again. Thank you. We appreciate it, Christian, and have a good year. Yeah. Happy New Year to everybody listening. Thank you for joining the MHI Industry Leadership Podcast. Join us next time to learn more about the trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices that are moving the industry forward.